Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, I just counted a blessing. I thank God for the opportunity to share the word. And I just want to thank everybody. I just got back from Africa. Hallelujah. For Went uh, three weeks out into Uganda, Uganda and Kenya. And I want to thank everybody that prayed and your support because your fruit, we saw hundreds of people get saved. Hundreds get filled with the Holy Spirit. Powerful miracles. We saw God just touch and do mighty things. So I just thank you for all of that. Uh, you know, I hope you are enjoying this, this on the book of James. Amen. Pastor Gary's been bringing it. I mean, it brings courage when you need courage. It brings conviction when you need conviction. It brings God's perspective to change and see your outlook so you can go and be blessed and be changed. And it's been so good. And he's just turned and he said, well, I want you to continue. And he gave me some scriptures and he says, I want you to continue in the book of James. So we're going to continue in that today. And, you know, it's, uh, it's got a lot for us. You know, we're going we're gonna to speak today on a friend of God versus a friend of the world. A friend of God. You know, in the Bible, you see names of God and you see, you see Father, Creator, Master, Lord, Rabbi, Teacher. You see these different names, but you see one that Jesus gave us and that we can give Him. And I think it's just as powerful or more, and it's friend. It says, I call you my friend. And a lot of people don't understand, you know, that they can go and be a friend of God, that they can, you know, in the Garden of Eden, God was their friend. God walked with them and talked with them, had a relationship with them in the Garden of Eden. And, and sin broke that friendship. Sin went and separated them from it. He, he, it went and separated them. And there's not too many people in the Old Testament that God calls friends. He calls Abraham a friend. He calls, he calls David a friend and Moses a friend. You know, Moses could talk to God and different things and come before him. He called Enoch a friend. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. The first rapture said, you're close enough, come on. You know, he just became a friend of God, so close to God. You go and you see these different people in the Bible. Job was a friend, but you don't see too many. They, they serve God. The priest... They weren't friends of God. The priests had to go and prepare to go into the Holy of Holies. They had, to, they had to get all ready, and they even tied a rope on their foot. So if they went into the Holy of Holies, and they had sin in their life, pow, they fell dead, and they dragged them out. Now, that's not the kind of friend I want to have. <laughs> you, know, you know, you come around them, and you got some issues in your life, and pow, you fall dead. You know, no. But Jesus came. And when the veil was torn, Jesus said, we can go in. We can have a relationship to him. We can be a friend of God. We can go and be a person that knows him and walks with him and has a, a blessing in our life. We can, we can walk in that place. And then Jesus goes and in, introduces another one. He says, I want to introduce another friend, a helper called the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be with you, and he's going to be in you, and he's going to show you all things. He's going to be your comforter and counselor, your intercessor, your advocate. He's going to be that one to help you. And he wants to be your friend. And I believe God wants to be our, our friends in life more than we realize. He wants not you just to be a, a servant under him. He wants to be your friend. He wants to go and come close to you. So I want to go into the book of James, and starting in verse, or chapter 4, verse 4, to verse 10, 
James is speaking here, and it says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you know, not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain that the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? But He gives more grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and He will flee from you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves before in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for today. Help us, change us, convict us, show us your love. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, here, as you look at this scripture, he starts out and, he, and he's speaking and he says, adulterers and adulteresses. Now, he's not talking about the relationships in, in marriage, you know, and, and, and that in the natural. He's saying, you're married to Christ, but you're having, as one other translation says, you have an unholy, an unholy, let me see, relationship or an unholy, uh, yeah, an unholy relationship with the world. You're married to Christ, but there's, there's a place where you're being tugged into the world. That you don't have the same thing. You're having this affair. You know, and he said there, he says, don't you know that the Spirit is jealously yearning for you? Don't you know that the Holy Spirit wants to have you close as a friend in your life? He wants to be with you. He's, he's passionate for you. He's passionate to show you the goodness. He's passionate to show you how, how much He loves you and He wants to walk with you and He has that for you. It says in Romans 5, 10. It says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. We can rejoice in this, this life. We can rejoice in the friendship of God. Amen? This needs to be a joy serving God. That God has saved me. God has changed me. God has given me a new life. God has showed me good things. Jesus even said in John 15, 15. He says in the New Living Translation, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. And since I've told you everything the Father told me. He goes, I don't call you slaves anymore. I don't call you in this place where, where you're just servants anymore. I'm going to call you a friend. Aren't you glad Jesus wants to be your friend? I mean, it's not like the Old Testament where, where God was in that way, but, but God wants to get close to you. God wants us to walk in that. God wants us to live in that place where we can go and, and know Him as friends. Know Him in that place. In one other translation, he says, You are my most intimate friends. My most intimate friends. In the Greek, it's talking about like a, like a best man. He's so close to you. You know, you kind of talk to him all the time. You're going through something and you can just talk to him. You're friends. You're deep, deep friends with him. Or else it's like a, a king who has an inner circle. You know, a king of, that rules over something. But he's got this few people that he can go and confide in and talk to and say, hey, this is what's happening around here. That's how Jesus wants you. 
to be an intimate friend with him, to have an intimacy with him and know him. You can have direct access, direct access into the throne of God. By the blood of Jesus, you can walk in. By the blood of Jesus, he says, come on in. Be my friend. Come on in. You can talk to me. You can, you can go and relate to me. We can boldly go in. See, God wants you to come to that place, you and I to that place, where we, we are friends with him. Amen? Friends. And, and you can have a peace in that. You can have a joy, through that, joy in that. And he says in our scripture, he says, I give you more grace. He says the world lots of times tries to tug on us. The world lots of times wants to get us over and do these things and, and it gets before our eyes and in our ears. The world tries to go and make you think like they think. But he says, I give you more grace. I give you greater grace. You know, we've kind of perverted that word sometimes. We twist it a little bit because we think lots of times, well, God gives me grace. That means I can just do anything I want. You know, oh, it's grace of God. But that word grace is, I give you my strength. I give you my divine ability. Satan came to buffet Paul. And he's, and he's saying, God, help me. God turns and says, my grace is sufficient for you. My divine ability gives you strength that you can go through anything the world's trying to come against you or the devil's trying to come against you. I'm giving you more grace. Grace causes us to win. Grace causes us to, to live free. Grace will liberate you when you understand the grace of God. When every, everything else in the world is going crazy, the grace of God will set you free. See, the devil can't succeed in your life if you understand grace. He says, I give you more grace. When you're going through this and the world's trying to tug you to be its friend, I'll give you more grace that you can walk with me. I'll give you more grace that you can be changed. And when you understand what it is, it changes you. See, we need to be conscious of what Christ has done for us, what Christ is doing for us right now, and what Christ will do in the future for you. When you have that consciousness in you and say, wow, you know, God, he, Jesus died for me. And then you understand the strength he's given you right now. And then you understand, man, I'm going to make it through this. He's got a future and a hope for me. And when you understand that, it causes you to want to follow him. It causes you to want to get close to him. It causes you to want to be in his presence. And it'll set you free from oppression. It'll set you free from depression. It'll set you free from the bondages that are around you. See, if you're battling things right now, if you understand the grace of God, it'll change your whole life. It'll change your whole life. And this portion of Scripture, I mean, it, when, I, when I started to get this portion of Scripture, I'm going, whoo, you gave me a rough one here. <laughs> Starting out with adulterers and adulteresses. <laughs> I said, said, no wonder you went somewhere else to preach. <laughs> but I said, God, you're showing us the best life there is. You're showing us how we can be your friend. You're showing us how we can walk with you, how we can live in victory. See, it says in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. God's prepared things for your life. God's prepared things for our lives. He prepared them beforehand that you can walk in them. He hasn't put anything before you that you can't walk. He says, you can walk in this. And he says, it's a gift. Grace is a gift. It's been given to you. My strength is a gift. It's been given to you. And you have to just receive it. You start to receive it and you say, God, I I receive that. I receive it by faith. I receive it by faith, the grace of God on my life, that I'm not in that place. He goes and he tells us, you know, you've got a free will. You've got a free will. You can obey him. You can walk in him. You can understand it. Or you can rebel. You can go and do what the world says. But I want to show you, he says, my friendship. I want to show you that. See, Christians have to choose what world they're going to live in. Christians, this isn't a rah-rah sermon, is it? <laughs> Hallelujah. But it's going to be. Amen. Because <laughs> you wonder, how do I get there? How do I get there? I'm not there. How do I get there? I, I have these things in my life, and they tug on me, and I, and I end up over here, and I'm doing those things that I don't want to do. And I'm not doing those things I want to do. Sounds familiar, huh? How do I get there? And he tells us. And the first place he says, he says, submit unto God. He says in this verse, he says in verse 7, he says, therefore, submit to God. We have to come to that place where we say, God, I'm going to submit to you. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says in the New Living Translation, it says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God change you. Let God change you. Don't be conformed to the things of the world. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh except by me. He goes, goes, this is it. Just walk with me, and I'll I'll change you. I went and... uh, Sometimes you read a verse of scripture and you go, what? What does that say that? You know, what does it say there? You know, I was, I was reading a story in the Bible and, and Mark chapter 4 it talks about Jesus and he's there ministering and all of a sudden he gets to the place where he says to the, to the disciples, hey, we're going to go over to the other side of this lake and get in a boat. And in Mark chapter 4 verse 36, it says, and when they'd sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship and there were also with him other little ships. And then it talks, and it talks about a storm coming up, and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. You've heard the story. And they're going, oh, you don't care for us. It's hard right now. And Jesus wakes up and just looks at the storm and goes, peace. And the storm stops. But I was reading this verse of Scripture, and there was three little words that kind of popped up. It says, And when they sent him away, the multitude, they took him even as he was. They took Jesus as he was. Another verse, another translation says, just as he was. I said, what? I don't remember that. Just as he was. See, a lot of times we want Jesus in our boat, but we don't want to take him as he is. Jesus, you got to change a little bit. You want to hang around me. You know, I mean, Jesus, 
Life's a little bit different now. Do you have to be like that? You know, we, we, we want Jesus to change to get in our boat. Jesus, you're a little bit too radical. Jesus, you're getting too, it's getting too hot in here, Jesus. Maybe you need to change some before we put you in the boat. But the reality was, if they didn't take him as he was, they wouldn't have seen him as who he is. If they didn't take him as who he was, they wouldn't have seen the power and glory of God as Jesus stood up and told the storm to stop. If they'd have said, Jesus, you need to calm down a little bit. You don't need to preach so much. They wouldn't have seen Jesus talk to their trial, their storm. And we need to take Jesus as he was so we can see Jesus as he is in his glory. See, we try to mold him into our image lots of times. I want to be your friend, but, you know, I want to be your friend. And, and, and we don't accept him for who he was. Well, Jesus, you need to be upgraded for 2019. You know, it's not the same as then. You know, it's not, not quite the same. No, it's not. There's things that are different. I think if Jesus came to church today, he'd probably have this nice clean cut right up tight. One of those little beards. I mean, just perfect, perfect little beard going around here. He probably would have had his church pants on. I tell my granddaughter, you're wearing your church pants because they're holy. <laughs> and he'd have been wearing them. And he probably could have. He probably could have. I'm glad. We don't have the mauve color that we had in the 80s in our cabinets and our houses. You remember that paint color? <laughs> I'm glad it's changed. Or let me go this way. How about the green shag from the 70s? It's about this thick that you found french fries in a while later. I'm glad I don't have that anymore. I'm glad we get to update some things. I love the church. I'm glad we don't have pews and a big throne up here for somebody to sit and, and all of this that they used to have years ago. I'm glad we can have the lights and, and the color and, and all for us. But what happens is people try to change the message and update the message, but the message has not changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the message of the gospel, yes, the message of the gospel will not change. Will not change. And we have to get that on the inside of us. If we want to be a friend of God, we have to come to that place and say, God, you're just Jesus. You're just real. I was talking to a man the other day, and here I was talking to him, and he goes, well, I go to church here and there, and, and uh, you know, it's okay and everything. I like it and all, but I'm not going to be like you. <laughs> I, said, I hope not. I mean, he says, you're too radical. You're too all about Jesus. And that's it. You know, and he just starts going on. He starts going on. I said, I just love him. He goes, you, I, I can't be like you. He said, it's not going to happen. I said, you know what? I'm going to pray. I said, in one of these days, God's going to touch your heart. And he's going to touch your heart and show you his love so much. And you're going to say, God, it's all yours. It's all yours. I give you my life. I said, because that's what happened to me. I got to a place in my life and my rebellion and my sin and everything else. And I came to a place where I said, God, it's yours. 
It's yours. This life, I give it to you. And he changed me on the inside. And he showed me, I'll be your friend. I'll take you in all your mess. Some of us got mess. I had mess. I'll take you in all your mess. And I'll be a friend. And it changed me. See, God wants you to understand who he is. Full of glory. Full of honor. And he wants to be your friend. But you have to submit. You got to submit. He can't just take him and change him. He'll go and change you. He'll show you the love. He goes on in this verse and he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Lots of times when the world starts to come against us, we don't push back. We don't say, devil, no. Jesus said, I've given you all authority over all powers of darkness, heaven and earth. I give you authority. You can use my name. In the name of Jesus, everything has to bow. Every name has to bow. He says, resist the devil. Come to that place of resisting. And when you start resisting the devil, you'll start thinking like Jesus. You'll start thinking like him. You'll start acting like him. You'll start talking like him. You'll start believing like him. Amen. When you resist those thoughts, when they come in your mind and you say, no, the word of God says this. Next thing you know, you're going to start thinking, this is possible. I can resist the devil and those things will break off me. I don't need to bow to the world and bow to their standards and bow to everything they have. I can go and serve God like never before. Resist the devil. And that's a whole sermon on authority. Then he says, draw near. We've heard that today. Pastor Kimberly was saying, draw near. And in our verse it says, draw near unto God. Draw near unto God, and, and he will draw near to you. It says, draw near unto God. Draw near unto me. Come close to me, and I'm going to come close to you. Come close to me. We think lots of times he's got to come and jump on us before we'll go and open to him. He says, you take a step towards me. It says in Hebrews 10, it says in verse 22, it says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance, full of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He goes, come with an assurance. I've told you you can boldly come into the throne. I've told you you can come to me. He says, draw near unto me. And you wonder, why did he say that? Why did he say, draw near? Draw near. Probably because some of his kids aren't drawn near. Probably some of his kids aren't coming to visit him. You know what I mean? They aren't drawing near and he's saying, just come to me. I don't care what you're going through right now and I don't care what you're battling right now and I don't care what the world says or all these things you've fallen. If you'll draw near to me. I think of my one granddaughter and I could be sitting there on on one couch or something. She'll be over on the other couch or she'll walk in and I just kind of look over at her, look over and smile. Next thing you know, she's on your lap. She's boom, <laughs> sitting right next to you. How you doing, Poppy? <laughs> but that's like God. If you'll start to draw near to Him, take some time. Draw near to Him. Start to talk to Him. Amen. This isn't in my sermon, but do you talk to Him as much as you text? Ooh, I won't go there. Hallelujah. I got enough today. <laughs> 
Amen. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Draw near to God and He'll go and show you who He is. He wants a friend. And He wants to call you friend. He wants to to meet you wherever you are. And He's the kind of friend that's not going to go and take you and look down at you. He's not the kind of friend that'll just say, well, I like you now, but I don't like you because I'm around this person now. He's the kind of friend that's not going to put up a face, put up a front, all this plastic stuff. He's a friend that's going to be close to you and he's going to go and show you. When you draw near to him, you won't get distracted by all this stuff, all this other stuff, all these toys and everything else. You won't get distracted. You'll say, no, I want to be around my friend. We're going to hang out today. Is this too hard? Can I preach? I'll start preaching now. Hallelujah. God wants you to go and know him as a friend. The devil doesn't. The devil doesn't want you to come to him with a full assurance of faith and trust in God. And God wants to bring you to that place. And the moment you draw near to him, he's going to get close to you. He's going to get close. It says in Psalms 27, 4, it says, One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's all I want. All I want. I don't care. They, people can say, well, you did this and you did this and you helped this person. All I want is them to say, he's a friend of God. <laughs> he's a friend of God. That's all I want in life. And it just comes out. I accept him for who he is. I walk in that place. I say, God, I'm going to draw near to you. Then he goes and he says, in this portion of scripture, he says, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. You're double-minded. He says, change that stuff. He says, you're being a carnal person. Instead of a spiritual person, you're being a carnal person. You're living by your own natural ability. And God says, I want you to think like me, and I want you to talk like me, and I want you to act like me. I want to be friends with you. I want to show you the place that you can walk that you've never had before. One day in the house of the Lord, one day in His courts is better than a thousand anywhere else, it says says, I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord than, than live in luxury in the wicked's world. Amen. I want to just know God in 19, or 2019. I want to I know God and walk with Him. He says, cleanse your hands. It says in 1 Corinthians, here's a, he says, Brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're not able, for you're still carnal. He says, where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are there not carnal and behaving like mere men? That says, you're, you're acting like the natural world. He says, you're acting like mere men. You aren't acting in the supernatural. I like to be able to walk in this dimension instead of this dimension. I like to be able to pray for people and watch them get healed. I like to be able to call out to God and see the peace of God come upon people and change. I mean, when I was in Africa, I saw a woman, she had a tumor like this, and it goes, whoop, and it's gone. Gone. 
I like being able to walk in the supernatural realm because God is my friend. And when I hang around with him, he starts doing things. He starts doing things. It says in Romans 8, 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. You know, we get in a place where we start living in the natural, our natural senses. You know, we have five senses, sight, ears, nose, smelling, tasting, and feeling. But there's another sense that you and I can walk in, faith, faith. That's the sense God wants you to tap into. Not into the carnal world with everything you see and hear. And, and God wants you to start to tap into, as children of God, the sense of faith. Where you can bypass the natural. I look at a, Elijah. Elijah's got a servant and he gets up one morning and he goes outside and all of a sudden he sees the army surrounded them. And he comes back to Elijah. Oh no, we're going to die. What's happening? Ah! We don't ever do that, do we? <laughs> And Elijah goes, God, open his eyes. And he looks out and he sees chariots all the way around the enemy. He sees the armies of God, the warriors of God there to fight his battle. I look at Elijah. Here it had not rained in three and a half years. Three and a half years it hadn't rained and they're they're there and all of a sudden Elijah goes, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. You better start moving because it's going to rain. He was tapping into a whole different dimension. You can be in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your storm, and you can be going through something, and God says, I'm going to show you this. It's going to be okay. I'm going to tell you this. And you will say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going past this. Because I have a friend in Jesus and I can get close to him and he can show me all these things. See, this is where we get. Where we can trust God in our pain. We can trust God when we're going through something. We can have a full assurance. We need to be able to trust God in your pain. Because your life isn't always going to be without pain. The world is going to want to suck you back. The world is going to want to get you to the place where you just don't walk so close to God anymore. The world is going to want to get you to a place where you go and say, well, I guess it's not quite working. Psalm 13.5 says, but I trust in you in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. In the middle of my pain, I trust in his love. In the middle of my hard time, I say, God, you're good. God, you're good. I believe. Sometimes that's all I can say. Those two words, I believe. In the middle of my pain, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him that he's there to help you. See, we need to decide who's going to be our closest friend. Is it going to be Jesus? Or is it going to be the world? 1 Timothy 6. Lots of verses here. I'm almost done. Another two hours. First Timothy 6, verse 20 and 21, New Living Translation says, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. 
This is where he's talking in our verse of Scripture, and he says, Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. God loves laughter. But when it becomes foolish or mocking, he says, don't do that. Don't allow that mocking laughter when it comes to the kingdom of God. Change it. He says, trust, don't trust. Trust in what God gave you. Avoid this foolishness because some have fallen away. Some have come to the place. People try to say, well, God loves sinners. You know, God, Jesus hung around with sinners. The Bible says God so loved the world. And you're saying don't. He did love the world. He loves the people. He doesn't love their values. He loves the people. He'll love a sinner, right? He'll love them all the way. He'll love you and I all the way. But he say, drop those values of the world. Drop those things that separate you from God. Drop those things. It's, it'll change you. He's talking about character. Jesus said in John 15, 14, you're my friends if you do what I command. See, some people serve God out of guilt, out of fear. They have to. I've got to go to church. My mama's making me go to church, so I'll go to church. I've got to go to church. I've got to go and do this. I've got to serve. They live out of condemnation instead of out of love. And the whole thing is a, a love. The whole thing is, I love to go to church. I had some, some people say, yeah, you, you can't do the things. You can't party. You can't drink. You can't do drugs. You can't do... The truth is, I can do all the drugs I want to do. I can drink all I want to drink. I can have all the sex I want to have. But I don't want to. Because Jesus changed me. And I'm his friend. I'm not going to live in the world and try to live in the church. I'm going to understand and find his relationship. See, in Hosea 6, 6, it sums it up. God says, I want you, I want to sh- you to show love, not offer sacrifice. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. More than you just coming to church and doing your duty and this and that. God says, I want to just you to know love. I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to know how much I have for you. I want you to know the relationship that I can give you. More than all the I have to's anymore. It's you get to. Amen? Last part. He says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. This is so powerful. You know, you see it in the Bible. Different people in the Bible, they start out good. And then they don't humble themselves. Or they don't follow after God. And next thing you know, they're in a place where, where they fall away from God. You saw it with King Saul in the Old Testament. King Saul in the Old Testament, he was head and shoulders above all. God says, I choose you and I'm going to make you another person. I'm going to give you a new heart. And King Saul starts following after God. But down the road, he started doing what he wanted to do. And God rejected him. God rejected him because he started doing the things of the world. Didn't 
do what God told him not to do. David becomes king. Does all that David does. Solomon. We think Solomon. He was awesome. Solomon went and here he goes and he, he says, God, I can't be king. I don't know how to handle these people. Just give me wisdom that I can rule justly. Give me wisdom. And God goes, man, you asked. You didn't ask for money. You didn't ask for all this stuff. You asked for wisdom. He goes, I'm going to give you that and I'm going to give you all the money too. I'm going to bless you like nobody else. And you see Solomon starts to rule and starts to do all the things right. But then you see some things change. He takes seven years and he builds this huge temple for God. All kinds of rubies and gold. Then he goes to build his house and he takes 13 years to build his house. I'll build God's house, but I'll build my house. A little bit wrong in his motives started to come in. A little bit wrong as the world started. Then he started marrying all these foreign wives. Man. God said, don't marry them. They're going to turn you away from God. And he gets 700 wives. Now you know he's nuts. <laughs> and he's got 300 girlfriends. <laughs> what happened to him? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I had, I had a pastor come up to me in Africa. And we're dealing with all kinds of things. And he goes, can you pray for my wives? He goes, they're always fighting. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> what do you expect? Polygamy is illegal in Kenya, so we had to deal with culture versus gospel. It was pretty wild. The doors opened as we started dealing with a guy had three wives, ten kids. That's another story, but it was wild. It was good. It was good. God just came down and touched these people because their hearts were so much for God. They said, we want the gospel. We want the gospel. We don't want what the government says we can do. We don't want what the world says. We want Jesus more than anything. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 5, dress yourselves in humility. It says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I want a good ending along with a good beginning. I want to just keep following after God and watching what he does. Humility is the way of Lord Jesus. Humility is his way. When I was over there in Africa, I was preaching two and three times a day for 18 days. We got there the one night. Got there, we traveled five hours on dirt roads, through ditches, had to pull the van out of the mud. We got there, ate dinner, unpacked, Supposed to start the next morning and they come by about nine o'clock. Can you preach? We said, sure. The other pastor and I went, we preached till midnight. Went back to lay down because we were supposed to start the thing the next morning. Six o'clock in the morning, they're still having church. They're still praising God and jumping and shouting. They loved God. God is changing them. But it was there on a Thursday. And as I was there on Thursday, all of a sudden, God spoke to me. He said, I want you to preach on humility tomorrow. I said, okay. So I had to go back and think about it because I didn't have, you know, okay, humility sermon. 
God gave me a verse of scripture and he gave me in, Second Peter, uh, in Philippians chapter 2 where it says, let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he humbled himself and he came as a man, as a servant. And he humbled himself to the point of death, even the cross. And I started preaching on humility that God could have come in a chariot. He could have come as a king. He could have come and said, I am here. But he came as a servant. He came and humbled himself. I said, I want to show you something. I said, I've never done this before. And I called this young pastor. And I called him forward and I said, sit in this chair. And I pulled out a pan and a pitcher of water. I said, I've never done this. I got down in the dirt. Got down in the dirt. And here we are, we're hours away from, they don't even see like one white person a year. We're way out in the bush. And I go and I started, and I took his shoes off and I started to wash his feet. And I said, God bless this man. Anoint him with all of you. Show him what you have for him. Give him the life that he wants and he hungers for you. I pray God show him. And he's weeping. He's crying. All these other pastors freaked out. They jumped up. They're taking their phones, going click, click, videos and stuff. They couldn't believe it because here's a white guy in the dirt washing their feet. And I stood up and I said, you want a good church? Be a servant. You want a good marriage? Serve your wife. Women over there are a piece of property. All the women were sitting in the dirt while these guys were in chairs. Serve her. And the presence of God came down. I said, God wants us humble. I said, I did not come to Africa to put a badge on me saying, I went to Africa. I said, I came here because I love you. And I came here because God loves you. God loves you. And the presence of God touched these people. I was just, I was weeping. I was weeping. Humility, if you will humble yourself before the Lord when he tries to help you with the world we live in. If you'll humble yourself, he will lift you up. He'll exalt you and he'll show you all that he has for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, I pray right now. I pray. We want to walk as friends. We want to know you as a friend. Father, I pray that we have fellowship with you like never before. I pray, Father, that what we do in our life will never hurt you. Because we want to get close to you. I pray that we can dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life. I thank you, Father, that you're touching people's hearts right now. Hearts to show us how close they can get to you. We exercise this by faith. We draw near right now. I pray, Father, that we humble ourselves and we submit ourselves. And I thank you for the life that you have for us right now. I thank you, Father. You're my friend. Jesus, you're my friend. Holy Spirit, you're my friend. I thank you right now in Jesus' name. You might be in here. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You might be in here and might not understand all. But if you can understand one thing, Jesus wants to be your friend. He came and he died for you and he wants to give you a relationship that's amazing. That you'll never understand, you'll never know.
until you walk with him, until you yield to him. Maybe you're in here and you say, you know what, I've, I've never actually...